The Bradford Exchange presents The Classic Radio Theater with your host, Carl Amari. Countdown for blast off. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Welcome, everyone, to episode 19 of the Classic Radio Theater. Each week, the Bradford Exchange and participating sponsors bring you three hours of the classic radio theater, featuring programming from the golden age of radio. This time, we'll hear two comedy episodes of The Great Gildersleeve, starring Hal Perry. We'll begin after this short break. Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve was a pompous windbag who first appeared as Fibber's next-door neighbor on the Fibber McGee and Molly radio series. Fibber and Gildersleeve's verbal and physical tussles gave rise to one of radio's immortal catchphrases, You're a hard man, McGee. From 1939 to 1941, Hal Perry perfected Gildersleeve's trademark snide laugh, and Don Quinn, co-creator of Fibber McGee and Molly, knew that radio's first spin-off was around the corner. In 1941, under the sponsorship of Kraft Foods, The Great Gildersleeve premiered, becoming a joyful occasion for radio listeners who could never get enough of him on Fibber McGee and Molly. In the opening broadcast, Gildersleeve moved from the town of Wistful Vista to his new home in Summerfield. Soon after, he became the town's water commissioner and set about to raising his orphan niece and nephew. The small-town personalities who peopled Gildersleeve's world were artfully tailored for comedy effect. Walter Tetley was the impish, bright-voiced nephew Leroy, Louis Erickson was the adolescent niece Marjorie, Lillian Randolph the bedeviled maid Bertie, Richard Legrand played Peavy the sardonic druggist, and Earl Ross was Judge Hooker. And throughout the run, Gildersleeve always seemed to have a complicated love life, dating a bevy of women but never settling down. In 1950, when Perry left for another network and a promising new radio show, Willard Waterman took over the role and continued as Gildersleeve when the series made a transition to television in 1954. It's time now for the first of two comedy episodes of The Great Gildersleeve. In this first one, Gildy's nephew Leroy plans to make big money by raising rabbits. Here's The Great Gildersleeve. Kraft presents The Great Gildersleeve. (laughs) The Kraft Cheese Company will also bring you Bing Crosby every Thursday night. Present each week at this time, Harold Perry as The Great Gildersleeve, written by John Wheaton and Sam Moore. from the Great Gildersleeve in just a moment. But first, if you've noticed that family favorites like Pabstet, the delicious golden cheese food, are sometimes missing from your dealer's shelves, 
Remember, there's a very good reason. Literally millions of pounds of dairy foods are being shipped abroad to help supply energy and the important milk nutrients our fighting men need. But dealers will usually have Pabstet in stock. And smart homemakers have learned what a wonderful extender it is for a host of wartime food. Melted into a smooth cheese sauce, the grand cheddar cheese flavor of Pabstet gives real personality to leftovers of meat and fish and vegetables fixed in dozens of different ways. Pabstet is a tasty filling for the children's sandwiches, too, and it slices perfectly for serving with dessert or just by itself. Yes, for a delicious, nourishing, and economical help in preparing meals that'll give family appetites a real lift, ask your dealer for Pabstet in the round, flat package. Spelled P-A-B-S-T-E-T-T. Pabstet. Only three red ration points for a generous package. Well, it's Easter weekend, and Saturday afternoon finds Gildersleeve out in the side lot surveying his victory garden and wondering whether to pull the weeds now or let them grow a little bigger so they'll be easier to get hold of. It looks as if they grow a little bigger, for from the window of the kitchen nearby comes the smell of good things in the oven. Let's follow him in and see what's cooking. Fee-fi-fo-fum. I smell something good. What's Bertie making there, Marjorie? Frosting for the Easter cake. Frosting? Yes, sir, and I guess it's about done. Uh, Bertie, uh, 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 uh. Well, you aren't going to put that delicious egg beater in the sink. Oh, no, sir. I'm saving it for Leroy. Leroy can lick the bowl. Give it here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Mm, 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 mm. Uncle Mort, you're looking cross-eyed. I don't want to miss any of it. <laughs> <laughs> Kitchen door. Uh, I'll go, Bertie. Well, wipe off your chin. You're the slave? Yes. Express, sign here. Wait a minute, what is it? Crate, sign here. I didn't order any crate. Name Gildersleeve? Yes. Sign here. Yes. <laughs> well, hold the egg beater and hold it, too. I don't know what I'm signing this for. Uh, there. All right, one side, bud. Wait a minute. One side, We one don't si- want that great big thing here in the kitchen. Well, where do you want it? Make up your mind. I haven't got all day. Listen, I've got a good mind to report you to your superior. Brother, in two hours, I report to my draft board. <laughs> now, where do you want it? Yeah, all right, set it right down here, soldier, any place. Hey! Yeah, careful! Don't you know we got a cake in the oven? <laughs> That's the kind of service you get these days. What do you suppose is in the crate, Uncle Moore? I don't know, but we'll soon find out. Uh, Bertie, do you know where the hammer is? Right there in the vegetable bin, Mr. Gilsey. Oh, just the place for it, too. <laughs> well, let's see now. Careful, Uncle Mort. It might be something breakable. Uh, maybe I can pry the top up. Hey, Uncle, that's the express man. Uh-huh. Yeah, and now it's coming. Uncle, wait a minute. Uh, there. Look out! Oh, oh, my goodness, rabbit. Rabbit! Rabbit! Leroy! Never 
get them. They're under the refrigerator. Maybe if we had some food, we could get them to come out. Yeah, try some popsies. Rabbits don't eat popsies. I don't know, my dear. Popsies always tasted like rabbit food to me. <laughs> well, I could poke under there with a broom, maybe. Oh, no, you might hurt them. Those are very valuable rabbits. They cost me over two bucks. Remind me to ask you, Leroy, where you got the two bucks. Here, Bunny, here, Bunny, here, Bunny, here, Bunny. Oh, no, you'll never get them that way, Unc. You have to get down on your hands and knees. Then they can just stay under there. Oh, Unc, we've got to get them out. They might get stuck under there. Those are Flemish giants. They grow fast. Yes. All right. It'll teach them a lesson, then. Oh, there he goes. I got him! I got one, Unc! Oh, look. Isn't he darling? Bring him over here, Leroy. Let me see. Oh, he's frightened. Look, he's shivering. Let me hold him, Leroy. No, let me hold him. Sure, here. Don't let him get away. That's a valuable rabbit. Oh, isn't he cunning? <laughs> yeah, feel him, Marjorie. Feel how soft he is. Ah. Oh. Uh. <laughs> there, there, little bunny. Now, don't you be frightened. Look, Marjorie, look how he wrinkles up his little nose. Would you, would you, would you, would you, would you, would you? <laughs> Uncle Mort, you're doing it too. I can't help it. He's making faces at me, the little rascal. You like him, Monk? Oh, he's as cute as the Dickens, Leroy. How did you get him? Well, from an ad in Winterman Comics. Huh? I sent for them only 217 express prepaid. Where did you get the 217? Oh, I got it. It's a great investment, Monk. It says in the ad Boys, make big money raising rabbits. Yeah, well, I wouldn't count on it, my boy. As pets, rabbits may be fine, but... Who said anything about pets? I'm raising these rabbits to eat. To eat? Eat a little fuzzy, cunning, helpless little thing like that? Leroy, I think you're horrible. Marjorie, take this rabbit and put him somewhere. I want to get to the bottom of this. I got the other one, Miss Gilfrey. Well, give him to Marjorie, Bertie. There, now, Flopsy and Mumsy. Come on, we'll find a nice, safe, warm place for you, away from that awful Leroy. Yes. Now, young man... Why was I not consulted before you bought those rabbits? Well, I, I wanted to surprise you, Unc, for Easter. You surprised me, all right. Where'd you get the money? All of it. Yeah, of course. All of it. Well, uh, the 17 cents I had. <laughs> all right, but what about the $2? Well, uh, you know those old rusty, no-good old roller skates I got Christmas before last? They were very excellent skates when I gave them to you. I thought Santa Claus gave them to me. Uh, we won't argue about that, young man. <laughs> All right. Anyway, they were always getting in your way, and anyway, I outgrew them, and anyway, one wheel was busted, so I traded them with Piggy. Did you tell him the wheel was busted, uh, broken? Well, he doesn't need all the wheels. He just wants to make a pushmobile. Yes. Nevertheless, that was not a very honest thing to do, Leroy, was it? Well, he swapped it for a spark coil that wouldn't spark. I'm glad to hear you didn't get the best of it. Now, stop beating around the bush and tell me. Where did you get those two dollars? Well, you know, the spark coil. You just told me about it. It wouldn't spark. Yeah, so I traded it. Who'd you trade it to? Michael. Mrs. Ransom's little niece? I mean, nephew? Well, he wanted it, Unc. He kept pestering me for it. Did you tell him it wouldn't work? Did you? Well, gosh, Unc, you wouldn't want me to give him a spark coil that works. They're dangerous. He might get a shock. He might get it. <laughs> All right, you charlatan. What did you trade the spark coil for? Come on, what did you trade it for? Two bucks. That's what we call selling, Leroy, not trading. And you sold that spark coil under false pretenses, with deliberate intent to defraud. Oh, no, I didn't, Dunk, honest. Then what was your intention? To get the two bucks. Mm. 
Leroy, I honestly believe you don't know the simple difference between right and wrong. Yeah, that's all it is, Unc. I don't know any better. Gosh, if I knew... That's I enough, be... Leroy. <laughs> Go help Marjorie find a place for those rabbits. And see that it's not in my study. I'll take this thing up with you later. Yeah, sure, I will. I'll find a good place for them. Uh, Bertie, I don't know what I'm going to do about that boy. I swear I don't. Oh, now, Leroy ain't a bad boy, Mr. Gillsleeve. He's just a boy, that's all. Well, he needs something. I don't know what, though. Well, if you ask me, Mr. Gillsleeve, what Leroy needs is a mother. Yes, I'm afraid you're right, Bertie. There's not much I can do about that. Well, no, I wouldn't say that. Huh? (laughs) What do you mean? Well, you're young, Mr. Gillsleeve. You got your health. You even got a fiancé. And if you don't mind me asking, uh, what is you waiting for? By George, Bertie, that's what I'm going to ask her. And I'm going to ask her right now, too. The Easter Bunny. Uh, I shouldn't have said that. I gotta be tough with her. This time, by George, she's gonna give me an answer. I'm not like some people. You can twist them around your little finger. When I... Leela, when are we gonna get married? Uh, What did you say? You heard me. Oh, gracious, Throckmorton. You're so impetuous. Impetuous? We've been engaged now for four months. What's so impetuous about that? I want to know when we're going to get married. Well, come in, won't you? No, you come out. (laughs) Very well, Throckmorton, if you wish. Yes. Now, we're going to sit down here on the veranda and settle this once and for all. Yes, let's. You know, Throckmorton, you are so masterful. I hardly know you when you're like this. Well, it's my other side. (laughs) Now, let's get down to business. When do we get married? Name the date, Leela. Well, tell me first. Why do you want me to marry you, Throckmorton? Well, because... Uh, well, just because. Uh, because what? Because I... Go on, say it. Because you what? Well, I think Leroy needs a mother. <laughs> a mother? Is that all I am to you? A mother for Leroy? Now, Leela, I didn't say that. Well, I guess I know what you were thinking, and I can give you your answer right now. Now, Leela, don't fly off the handle. Let's be reasonable about this thing. Rock Martin, I am the soul of reason, I assure you. I've thought it all over, and I've decided that we have no business getting married till after the war. After the war? But, Leela, that may be a long time. Well, you ask me for my decision, and that's it. I'll marry you the day the war is won. That settles it. What? I demand a second front. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to interrupt here for just a moment in order to present a very charming and courageous lady who has something to say to you. That she is charming is no secret to her thousands of admirers, and the proof of her courage is her four months' expedition across the Atlantic this past winter to entertain our troops in England, Ireland, Scotland, and North Africa. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Kay Francis. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, I ask your attention for one minute. One minute isn't very long, but in this very brief minute that you hear my voice, men are dying for you. Dying on distant battlefields, in strange waters, 
Men from Nebraska, Illinois, Texas, boys from across the street, boys that you know. Right now, while I speak to you, 60 seconds in a minute, how many times 60 men are dying for you. And as they die, they are remembering home, remembering us, wanting to come home, knowing they never will. Are we worth remembering? Are we worth coming home to? No. Not unless we do all we possibly can to win this war. And our possible all is so little compared to what they give. We are not asked to give, but to lend our dollars to our government, to carry our share of the $13 billion needed in the second war loan. Lend your dollars right now, right this minute, while those men are giving their lives for you. You'll get your dollars back. Thank you, Miss Francis. Now let's get back to Summerfield and the great Gildersleeve. It's Easter morning, and the great man has started the day in a constructive and beneficent mood. He's intending, before donning his finery for the Easter parade, to build a rabbit hutch, but a brief inspection of the garage shows him that something is missing, namely the rabbits. Leroy, where are your little pets? You mean Mr. and Mrs. Rabbit? Yes, you don't have to be so formal either. Oh, well, they're in a perfectly safe place, Unc. Where are they? Don't worry about them. Oh, Leroy! What is it, buddy? Did you put those rabbits in the fireplace? Fireplace? There's no fire in it. Yep. That's their new home, Bertie. They love it there. Well, maybe so, but they've moved out. Yep. What? They did. Young man, you'll have to find those rabbits before we go to church. So get busy. Oh, gosh, Unc, won't you help? Well, that depends. If I... Say, here comes Judge Hooker over by the back fence. Judge Hooker, huh? What's he doing around here? Gildersleeve. Oh, Gildersleeve. Just stay on the other side of that fence, Hooker. You owe me a fender. You owe me a bumper. Uh, you happen to be the owner of two oversized, overaged gray rabbits? Oh, my goodness. Go get them, Leroy. Those rabbits belong to my nephew, Judge Hooker. See that you don't do anything that injures them. It's them. Look here, I just caught him finishing up the last head of lettuce in my victory garden. <laughs> I'm beginning to like those rabbits. <laughs> well, if I catch him over here again, I'll give him to the city pound. So just remember, Gildersleeve, you not only owe me a bumper, but you owe me one dozen heads of lettuce. You owe me a fender, and you can take a dozen heads of lettuce from my victory garden. <laughs> what are you laughing at, you old nanny goat? The rabbits ate your Now, let's see. Handkerchief for the breast pocket. Need a flower for my buttonhole. Better put on the silk hat just to see how the whole thing looks. There. Ooh. <laughs> Hi, George Gildersleeve. You're a handsome fellow in a cutaway. Yes, sir. When I... uh, come in. Hey, Aunt, come on down. Mrs. Ransom is here, and Marjorie wants to take everybody's picture. Oh, good idea. I'll come right now. Leroy, I wonder if you could find me a flower somewhere for my buttonhole. Okay, what do you want, an Easter lily? No. Leroy, just something small and suitable. Oh, hello, Leela. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, happy Easter. Well, happy Easter to you too, Throckmorton. Oh, that's a beautiful costume, my dear. Everyone will be saying lucky Gildersleeve. Oh, now, Throckmorton. But you look simply angelic in your gray trousers and cutaway, doesn't he, Marjorie? Oh, he always does. He looks all ready for a wedding. Let's not go into that. <laughs> Come on outdoors, everybody, and we'll take your picture. Ben's got the camera out there. Well, are you sure there's time, Audrey? Your uncle and I are going to church. Oh, we all are. Of course, Lila. Come on. Well, hello, Mr. Gildersleeve. Happy Easter. Oh, thanks, my boy. The same to you, Ben. Now, uh, where do you want us to stand? Oh, right there. Inside the lilac will be all right. Oh, fine. I'll put some lilac in my buttonhole. <laughs> Just stand anywhere, really. Uh, isn't too much trouble. <laughs> Now, if you could just smile, please. How's this? <laughs> I got you. That one ought to be fine. Now, who's going to take our picture? I'll do it, Marge. Yeah, I'll do it. Oh, I take better pictures than anyone in the family. He has been lucky. All right, Leroy. Uh, where shall I stand, Marge? Well, right beside me. Here? Well, that's where I am already. <laughs> <laughs> Can't you get a little closer? Oh, I guess so. <laughs> All right, now look at her, you big goof. Uh, I am looking at her. Uh, ben, honey, why don't you put your arm around her waist? Oh, gosh, right here in front of everybody? <laughs> why not? Well, all right. Say, this is quite comfortable. <laughs> Hold it. Oh, Throckmorton, they're so in love. Don't they look beautiful together? Yes, they do, Leela. They just look like an Easter magazine cover, I declare. Yeah, so do you, Leela. Got it! Thank you, Leroy. Yeah, much obliged. <laughs> Gee, I never enjoyed having my picture taken before. <laughs> George, I'm glad we decided to walk, Leela. Mm, it is nice. Yes, sir. Oh, good morning, Dr. Pettibone. Happy Easter. Good morning, Doctor. Uh, he goes to a different church. Mm, I know. Here comes old Mrs. Carrington. Don't tell me she's walking to church. Yeah, but she'll stop for a long conversation. Oh, good morning, Mrs. Carrington. Oh, happy Easter to you. Happy Easter to you, Mr. Davidson. Happy Easter, Mrs. Carrington, and what a lovely shawl you're wearing. Thank you, Mrs. Renson. I'm glad you had the sense not to call it a fascinator. Uh, you're, uh, you're looking awfully well, Mrs. Carrington. <laughs> Did you have a good winter? Pretty cold, pretty cold. Uh, yes, but now it's spring. <laughs> um, what do you hear from your grandson? Is he still with the... Uh, uh, oh, yes, yes, Mr. Gildersleeve. Uh, 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 they made him a vice president this year, and next... Yeah, they're going to raise his salary. Uh, well. <laughs> well, he's coming along nicely. Uh, oh, mercy, I'm afraid we'll all be late for church. Oh, we must all hurry, but I'm glad to see you young people still dress up for Easter. You'll take a very handsome couple. Well. Oh, now, Mrs. Carrington. I haven't had a chance to congratulate you formally. Uh, when is the wedding to be? Well, it depends a little on the war. Oh, don't wait too long. Uh, After all, we're only young ones. Well, goodbye, Mrs. Ransom. Goodbye, Mr. Gildersleeve. 
Goodbye. Uh, goodbye, Mrs. Carrington. <laughs> oh, she's a wonderful old lady. Uh, I always enjoy seeing her. She makes me feel so young. Yeah. Come on, Throckmorton, let's run. Run? Uh, Leela, hey, wait. <laughs> Nothing like the feeling when you've been to church on Easter. Because I always feel like a new man after church. But on Easter, I feel even happier. Mm, I feel the same way, Throckmorton. I don't know what it is. The Easter hymns or something. But when the collection basket came around this morning, I put in twice as much as I'd planned. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, should have planned that much in the first place, though. Oh, here comes Peavy. Uh, happy Easter, Peavy. Happy Easter, Mr. Peavy. Well, joyous Easter to you, Mrs. Ransom. I see you too, Mr. Josephine. Just uh, coming from church, Mr. Peavy? Yes, I am, Mrs. Ransom. Mrs. Peavy and I attended the services together, and then I went by the shop to get this little surprise for it. A uh, surprise, eh? What is it, a plant? A begonia. I've given her a potted begonia every Easter since we've been married. Uh... Listen, Peavy, if you've given her a begonia every Easter, she couldn't possibly be surprised when you walk in with this one. Well, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> but you've already given her 20 or 30 begonias for Easter. 31. I know, because Mrs. Peavy saves the pots. Yes. Well, <laughs> uh, that's nice. Yes, and when I give her this one, I know just exactly what she'll say. What, Mr. Peavy? <laughs> She'll say, Richard Peavy, don't you know it's wicked to be extravagant? But that's not extravagant, Richard. Well, I know that, Mr. Gildersleeve, so does Mrs. Peavy. That's just her little way of acting surprised. <laughs> I think it's a very sweet way, too. I do myself. Anyhow, she always says it, and then she gives me my surprise. Oh, uh, you get a surprise, too, huh? What's your surprise, Peavy? A box of crystallized ginger. Yeah, crystallized? <laughs> Crystallized ginger? That's pretty strong stuff, isn't it? Yes, but I've got a taste for it. Yes. <laughs> and is that your surprise every year, Mr. Peavy? Every year. It's a wonder you don't faint from excitement. <laughs> well, I don't faint, Mr. Gildersleeve, but I give a pretty good imitation. Yeah, good enough to fool Mrs. Peavy. Well, I wouldn't say that. Yes. <laughs> but when you folks have been married as long as I have, you, you know that our kind of surprise is more fun than a real one. Yes, you may be right. Well, so long, Peavy. Happy Easter to you and Mrs. Peavy. Well, the same to you and Mrs. Ransom. Good day. Throckmorton? Yes, Leela? Was there uh, any war news today? Huh? Uh, well, apparently the Allied forces made substantial gains in El Milang region. Mm. Throckmorton? Yes, Leela? Isn't it wonderful that Mr. and Mrs. Peavy are so happy after all these years? Yeah, I guess so. Of course, he's rather a strange fellow. Uh, Throckmorton? Yeah? We're uh, neither of us getting any younger, are we? Of course not, Leela. Uh, Throckmorton? What is it, Leela? How would you like to come to my house this evening for chicken fricassee? There'll just be the two of us. Chicken fricassee? Oh, brother, I'll be there. <laughs> Hmm. <sighs>
That was a wonderful dinner, Leela. I'm glad you liked it, darling. Maybe I overindulged a little. Oh, I didn't notice. That's because I didn't overindulge any more than usual. (laughs) (laughs) You were so cute sitting at the head of my table serving my dinner and all. It looked natural somehow. Uh-huh. Guess I'll smoke a cigar. Uh, you know something, Throckmorton? I've been nervous in this house the last few days. What on earth is there to be nervous about? Oh, nothing in particular. Sometimes I think I hear strange noises in the night. But, you know, with you here, I don't feel nervous a bit. Fine, fine, fine. But when you're not here, I do feel nervous. And maybe you ought to see Dr. Pettibone. Get some vitamins. Oh, fish. What did you say, Leela? Nothing. Throckmorton, I've been thinking. Yes, Leela? Maybe Leroy shouldn't wait till after the war to have a mother. Oh. Huh? <laughs> Leela, will you? What do you mean, Throckmorton? Could you marry me before the war is over? Well, for Leroy's sake, I might consider it. How about next week? Now, Throckmorton, don't be so impetuous. Well, June's a nice month for weddings. Yes, it is. June 1st. Well, that's awfully soon. June 1st. Well, I think we might say the first week in June. Oh, darling, you know, this is the happiest Easter of my life. Really, honey? Sure. Why, everybody ought to be married. It's a law of nature. Two by two. Male and female. A girl for every boy in the world. Hey, um, what do you think? Leroy, what? Mr. and Mrs. Rabbit just had quintuplets. <laughs> Easter, like all important holidays, is a time for families and old friends to get together. Or if they can't do that, at least to get in touch with one another. And so this Easter, we of the Kraft family bring you the greetings of our sponsor through its president, Mr. J.L. Kraft. Mr. Kraft. I'm glad of this opportunity to bring Easter greetings to Kraft men and women everywhere and to the families of our boys and girls who are now in the service of their country. When we think of Easter, we naturally think of the resurrection. The two words are eternally linked together. In every Christian land today, the celebration of Easter will bring its age-old message of hope to a war-darkened world. The fact of the resurrection and the faith which it symbolizes have never been so significant to so many nations and to so many peoples in the world's history. In itself, the word resurrection is one of the most beautiful in our language. It means bringing back to life the conquest of death, the return of hope. At this springtime of the year, all nature tells the story of resurrection. We read its meaning in the budding trees and in the miracle of nature's reawakening to vibrant life. There is still another significance to the word resurrection, to bring back to memory that which was forgotten or lost. And it is upon this meaning of resurrection that I have been reflecting on this Easter Sunday. While our boys are away fighting for freedom around the world, enduring hardships, loneliness, weariness, We, on the home front, have a high responsibility toward them. While they are absent, our virtues grow in their minds and our shortcomings are forgotten. Let us so live our lives that their ideals will not be shattered when they return. Let us make them as proud of us as we are proud of them. And so it seems particularly fitting to me that each of us at this Easter time should resurrect and strengthen our faith in God and in the ideals of our forefathers. That faith and those ideals on which this nation was founded and by which it grew strong and great. As youngsters, our mothers taught us to say when we pray, 
Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray thee, Lord, my soul to keep. I have just had a letter from one of our own boys in North Africa in which he says that eight men of his group kneel at their bunks every night and speak this prayer as they go to sleep. It means something to them. It meant something to us as children. Let us then, as we think of these simple prayers, resurrect the trusting faith of our childhood and approach God understandingly. Let us resurrect and renew our strength in the God-given pioneer virtues. Let us at home in our daily lives have the courage, the strength, and the fortitude of those who fight for freedom, that we and our children and they and their children may live in peace. They are counting on us, depending on us, to maintain their ideals of home and family until they join us again, and in this we cannot fail them. program has come to you from Chicago and Hollywood. This is the National Broadcasting Company. And that's The Great Gildersleeve starring Hal Perry from April 25, 1943. All of the classic radio shows we present on this series are direct from the master recordings. I have more than 100,000 original radio episodes under license from the owners and estates, and we make them available via digital download or on CD through our Classic Radio Club. By joining the Classic Radio Club, you'll receive 10 superior-sounding classic radio shows sent directly to you each month, along with detailed liner notes and photos of the stars. You'll receive your first 10 Classic Radio episodes for only $1, and you can cancel at any time. To learn more about the Classic Radio Club, log on to ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. I'll have another comedy episode of The Great Gildersleeve for you after this short break. Welcome back to the Classic Radio Theater. I'm your host, Carl Amari. This time, Gildy is on vacation at Grass Lake, trying to mend a broken heart. Here's The Great Gildersleeve. Kraft presents The Great Gildersleeve. <laughs> yeah. The Kraft Cheese Company will also bring you Bing Crosby every Thursday night. Present each week at this time Harold Perry as The Great Gildersleeve, written by John Whedon and Sam Moore. We'll hear from The Great Gildersleeve in just a moment. Now, before Gildy starts on his rollicking new adventures, I'd like to take just a moment to tell you about a grand adventure in eating. Of course, we're all backing the government's ration program, but now and then we'd all like a little more flavor and variety. Well, let's take bread, rolls, and muffins, for example. They're still just as plentiful, still just as downright good eating as ever. 
And a whole lot better for you, made with vitamin-enriched flour. But, uh, well, shucks, who wants to eat them dry? So here's where we get to that adventure in mighty good eating. For delicious flavor, spread parquet margarine on bread rolls and muffins and see how really good they taste. You won't know how delicious until you've actually tried parquet. What's more, parquet margarine is one of the best energy foods you can serve. Every pound contains 9,000 units of important vitamin A. Yes, parquet is wonderfully good to eat and good for you. So ask your grocer tomorrow for parquet, P-A-R-K-A-Y, parquet margarine made by Kraft. Now, what about our old friend Gildersleeve? Well, the last we saw of him back in June, he was left at the altar by the widow Ransom. Two months have passed, but the mark of that fateful moment is still upon him. Gildersleeve today is a changed man. For the past week, he's been vacationing at the Idlewild Hotel on the shore of picturesque Grass Lake, where he's come to seek forgetfulness and such solitude as he can find in the company of his niece and nephew. It's the breakfast hour now, and Gildersleeve steps out on the veranda for a breath of morning air before advancing upon the dining room. Ah, uh, sea air. Ah, uh, there's nothing like it. Why, it's Mr. Gildersleeve. Oh, Mr. Gildersleeve. Why, so it is. Oh, good morning, ladies. Miss Foltz, Miss Sowerby, Mrs. Uh, good morning. Oh, you're up early this morning, Mr. Gildersleeve. Yeah, mistake. Well, you know the old saying, early to bed and early to rise. Makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Mr. Gildersleeve, you're the first healthy man I've seen in weeks. Oh, thank you. Mr. Gildersleeve, I'm just going to be frightfully bold and ask you if you won't share my table with me at breakfast this morning. Why, uh... Now, Miss Foltz, I saw him first. And where do I come in? Mr. Gildersleeve, as good as promised me. Now, ladies, please. Well, I think Mr. Gildersleeve should take us all into breakfast. It's the only way. That's it. We'll all go. Well, I'd be delighted, ladies, but it just so happens... Now, Mr. Gildersleeve, you have nothing to say about it. This is war, you know. <laughs> <laughs> ladies, I can imagine nothing more delightful. Oh, listen to him. Unfortunately, I just remembered that I forgot something. My niece and nephew. It'd hardly do to forget them now, would it? So if you'll excuse me... Oh. I'll be seeing you anon. But you'll be back. Uh, anon, Miss Foltz, anon. Uh, women, women, nothing but women. I came up here to forget women. What do I find? Miss Fultz. Oh, Mr. Gildersleeve. Miss Sowerby. <laughs> I gotta get out of here. Hi, Unc. What cooker? Leroy, get your clothes on. I was just going for a swim. You've just been for a swim. I was going for another. You've gone for your last. Get out of those wet trunks and start dressing. And stop dripping all over the floor. What's up? We going somewhere? We're leaving. Leaving? You heard me. Get dressed. You mean today? Today we're leaving? Today. This morning. Right now. Right after breakfast. I already had breakfast. You don't mind if I have a bite? <laughs> no. Gosh, leaving. I better have breakfast sent in. I'm not going out there with all those harpies. Uh, hand me the telephone. But, Uncle, what about the swimming race tomorrow? It's too bad about the swimming race. Hand me the telephone. Hello? Gosh, after I trained a whole week for it. Hello? Just when I stand a good chance to knock off the junior medal. And... Hello? Marge is going to be awful disappointed. She was counting on that dance tomorrow night. Uh, what is this? Tomorrow's the big day, you know. Swimming race, canoe tilting, free food. Hello? Dance in the evening, swimming race. Marge will be disappointed. Room service. Hello, operator. She's going to be awful disappointed, Marge is. Operator, anybody. Hello? 
Uh, I give up. Call this a hotel. Come in. Well, if it isn't Sleeping Beauty. Oh, shut up. Tough luck about that dance you're not going to Saturday night. What are you talking about? I'm talking about we're leaving. That's what, aren't we, Uncle? Oh, Uncle Moore, not now. I'm sorry, my dear, but I can't stand another day of this. I can't go anywhere. I can't even stick my nose out of this room. But what, I'm surrounded by old hens. Miss Foltz, Miss Sowerby, Mrs. Hooses. Well, you can't blame them, Uncle Mort, if you're so attractive. Mm, well. You are, you know. You're the most attractive man in the hotel. I'm the only man in the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> and who said this was a hotel? You ring the bell, no bellhop. You pick up the telephone, no operator. Turn on the water, no water. Whatever did we come up here for anyway? To find Marge a fella. Oh, shut up. What are you kicking about? You found one. Listen, Mr. Nosey, if you would just kindly be so good as to kindly mind your own business instead of snooping around. Who was snooping around? I missed the ball and it happened to roll behind the swing. Now, kids. What were you doing playing ball? You were supposed to be working on your arithmetic. You haven't done any also. Don't try to change the subject. He had his arm around you. Leroy. He did not have his arm around you. Now, Marjorie. Well, he was holding your hand. He was not holding my hand. And it wasn't... Who you think it was? Yeah. She admits it. She admits it. I do not. Quiet. You heard her, Uncle. She admits it. He hasn't done a bit of work on his arithmetic all summer. Quiet, both of you. God, you've done nothing but wrangle you two from the day we got here. I'm sick of it. We're getting out of here on the first train. Oh, Uncle Moore, please. No, it's settled. The first train. Not see what you did. Oh, dear, I never did you a thing. Did I did not. Quiet. He got. <laughs> Leroy, get some clothes on. Marjorie, you start packing. Where are you going, Uncle? Never mind. You must know I'm going down to the lake, where I hope to have a few quiet moments to myself and, if possible, recover some of my sanity. Oh, he's going to kill you! Run for it! Run Like having bloodhounds after you. I'll sit here and cool off a little and look at the water. I must go down to the sea again, to the lonely sea and the sky. Grass Lake. <laughs> oh, well. Oh. Well, what? Who? Huh? Oh, excuse me. I, I didn't realize there was anyone here. Neither did I. I'm awfully sorry. I thought this seemed such a lovely, quiet spot to sit and look at the lake. Yes, and you can... Uh, uh, why don't you take this bench? Oh, I couldn't. You were here first. Well, I'll sit on this log. Oh, but your beautiful white flannel. Huh? Oh, I've had them a long time. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's room for both of us on the bench. Oh? Uh -huh. <laughs> there, you see? Now I haven't disturbed you at all. No. There's a lovely light on the lake at this time of the morning, isn't there? Yes, there is. Would you say it was eerie? What, Lake Erie? <laughs> oh, no. No, the light. It's a strange, eerie light. Oh, yes. Very eerie. <laughs> it's so seldom one meets a person nowadays who really loves nature. But you do, don't you? I guess so. <laughs> uh, you staying here at the hotel? Yes, I just arrived this morning. Are you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I'm going home this afternoon. Oh, just as we're starting to get acquainted. Yeah.
since then, I've been water commissioner of Summerfield. That's the story of my career. I guess it's not much of a story. Oh, it's a fascinating story. You've had to fight, haven't you? I knew it the moment I saw you. Well, I've had my struggles, but what man hasn't? (laughs) Of course. You know, I really think it's a shame you're leaving today. Well, it's not absolutely definite. Oh, good. Um... Would you mind if I asked you something terribly personal? Uh, uh, No. Go ahead. What is it? Well, I don't like to intrude into your... I don't know how to say it even. But I had the feeling while you were telling me about yourself that you were leaving something out. Something that had made you terribly sad. Oh, no. You're mistaken. Am I? Well, tell me honestly. Have you had an unhappy love affair? No. I knew it. Some woman has hurt you. I'm sure because you're so kind and gentle. You must have been wounded deeply once yourself. Well, I... Oh, how you must hate us women, all of us. Well, naturally, I try to be fair, but... (laughs) I'm afraid I'll never again be able to think of a woman as a friend. Well, you must try. Perhaps if you could tell someone about it, someone sympathetic, it might help... It it often does help, you know. It's very painful. Well, if it would hurt you too much... Oh, no, no. Then try. Well, uh, when I first met Leela Ransom... (laughs) (laughs) Oh. When I first met her, the thing that struck me about her was her helplessness. Just a young girl, I suppose. Well, she was more of a widow. (laughs) At least I understood she was a widow. And she seemed to need someone. Someone to shield her from the world. Well, that's what she led me to believe. She tricked you. I'm sure of it now. (laughs) However, I lost my heart to Leela Ransom. I loved her deeply, sincerely. I asked her to marry me, and she consented. But the marriage? We were never married. Oh. I... I stood beside her at the altar, the happiest man in the world, asking only that I be allowed to devote the rest of my life to her. Suddenly, her husband walked in. (laughs) He was no deader than me. Oh, how dreadful. Yes. You can see why I'm through with women, can't you? Oh, I don't blame you for feeling the way you do, honestly. But I do feel there's hope because, well, I was hurt once, too, terribly. Oh, you, you were? Yes. I once thought I could never bear to speak to a man again. Well, that's quite a coincidence. Did he uh, leave you at the altar? Well, it wasn't quite like that. I'll tell you about it sometime. Oh, tell me now. No, I'd rather not, but you're very kind to be so interested. You've done a great deal for me. Oh, no, you've done a great deal for me. Uh, Would you uh, like to walk down this path to the lake for a little way? Oh, I'd love to. It It looks so nice and shady. Yes, it is shady. (laughs) You're sure that you uh, won't be nervous walking in the woods with a stranger? Do you think I should be? (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) Oh, it's quite steep. Steep, yes. Oh! Uh, Oh, what's the matter? Oh, my ankle. I'm afraid I've turned it rather badly. Oh, here, lean on me. Oh, thank you. Uh, Oh, you seem so... so solid. (laughs) Well, 
You think so? Oh, so safe. I- I'm sure you won't let me go. Don't worry. <laughs> oh. Well, for Pete's sakes, Mom, I've been looking all over for you. Frederick. You better come down to the lake. Jack and Tom are throwing rocks at each other. Well, make them stop. I can't. And one of them hit Mary and her nose is bleeding. Oh. And Nancy lost her bathing suit in the water. Oh, my goodness. Madam, I can see you are not left at the altar. Excuse me, I gotta go and catch a train. Hello, operator? No, I do not wish a beverage. I want my bill. I want to check out. Room 618 and 619. Yes, we'll see that he hurries. Tougher to get out of this hotel than to get into a good one. Well, I guess I've got everything in the bag. If I can only close it. Oh, Anki, before you close it, could you just tuck in one little thing for me? I suppose so. What is it? Just that little Cupid doll I won in the hotel raffle. But Marjorie, that Cupid doll's almost as big as Leroy. <laughs> I haven't got room for that. But your suitcase is bigger than mine. It's not that big. If you want the Cupid, carry it in your arms. You'll be lucky if they don't make you buy him a ticket. Oh. <laughs> Gosh, I wish I hadn't won it now. Well, leave it. Let somebody else win it. Uh, where's that man with a bill? Operator, this is 618. If that man isn't here with my bill in one minute, I'm going to sneak out and leave my baggage. That's telling a monk. Yeah. Let's close this thing, Leroy. I'm afraid those hinges are going to... There. Thank goodness. Say, I just remembered something. What? Something you forgot. Wait a second, I'll get it. Yeah, here it is, Unc. What is it? Here, cat! Leroy. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry, Unc. I thought you were looking. Well, I wasn't. Anyway, never throw a wet bathing suit at anybody. <laughs> Where am I going to put this darn thing? Come in. Mr. Gildersleeve? Oh, yes. You the bill clerk? Oh, no, sir. I'm the assistant manager. Oh, excuse me. That's all right. The clerk told me you'd ask for a statement, but we can't let you check out, Mr. Gildersleeve. We're counting on you to be master of ceremonies at the ladies' archery contest this afternoon. <laughs> Give me my bill. But, Mr. Gildersleeve, the ladies will be so disappointed. I can't help it. Why don't the ladies leave me alone? Well, there's a war on, you know. <laughs> that has nothing to do with it. Get my bill ready and send somebody up here for my bags. All right, if you insist. Uh, now, what was I doing? Thinking about your wet bathing suit. That could be dry by tomorrow, Unc, and I wouldn't miss the swimming race. Never mind. <laughs> Better wrap it up in a couple of dirty shirts. Makes an awful lump, though. Come in. Well, hello, everybody. Hooker. Hello, Judge. Hi, Judge. What are you doing here, you old goat? Well, if that isn't foolish question number 999, I came to spend the weekend with you. I'm sorry, but you're too late, Judge. I can't stand another day in this place. Oh, now, Gildy, I've come all the way up here to see you. How about 18 holes of golf right now? Uh, golf. That's what I came up here for. And this afternoon, we could go fishing on the lake. Maybe get a couple of smallmouth bass for supper. Oh, smallmouth bass fried in breadcrumbs with a little lemon juice. Yeah. <laughs> We've had chicken here every night this week. Oh, come on, Gildy. Tomorrow we can hire some horses and go for a ride along the mountain trail. Bye, George Horace. I'll stay over with you. Oh, Uncle Mort, you darling. Judge, you're a hero. Well, everybody happy. Operator, this is 618. No, I've already checked out. I want to come back. Yes, till Sunday morning. I don't care who wants the room. I've got it, and I'm going to keep it. All right, go on, Leroy. Go on, Marjorie, with your swimming race. Line up your date for the dance. Hooray! See you later, Unc. i got to get back in training. i got to solve a manpower problem. Uh, oh, uh, doggone it, Horace. I'm glad you came. I've been trying to find a golf game, somebody to fish with ever since I got here. You have, Gildy? Well, you must be slipping. There's plenty of golfers right here under your nose. Well, I couldn't find them. Well, I signed up a couple for a foursome with us this morning, and they're going fishing with us this afternoon. Oh, that's great. Not only that, 
Tomorrow night, they're going to the dance with us. Wait a minute, Hooker. Who are these golfers? Two Lollapaloozas, a Miss Foltz and Miss Sowerby. Oh! The Great Gildersleeve will be with us again in a few seconds. School days are just around the corner, and that's going to call for some new strategy from you generals of the kitchen. I mean, you mothers will have to think up tempting new ways to put nourishing foods into those school lunchboxes. So allow me to pass along a helpful suggestion. Here's how to get really important food value out of those precious few ration points. It's to buy and serve parquet margarine. But you know that parquet requires only four red ration points a pound, and every pound of parquet contains 9,000 units of important vitamin A. In your government's official nutrition program... The daily use of such excellent foods as vitamin-fortified margarine is recommended. As for appetizing flavor, well, parquet really satisfies. You'll find parquet just about tops as a delicious spread for bread. And you may be interested to know that parquet carries the seal of acceptance of the Council on Foods and Nutrition of the American Medical Association. So ask for parquet, P-A-R-K-A-Y, parquet margarine made by Kraft. Now, getting back to the great Gildersleeve and his little family, we find them surfeited with vacation joys, glaring at each other and a Judge Hooker from opposite seats in a day coach. Well, according to my calculations, we ought to reach Summerfield about 6 o'clock. According to my calculations, we'll be lucky if we reach it at all on this milk train. Leroy, for goodness sake. Leroy, take your feet off your sister's lap. Well, I have to put them somewhere, don't I? Fine accommodations you got us, Horace. A day coach. I thought you were supposed to have some influence around here. I have. The assistant passenger agent is a personal friend of mine. You don't say. Yes, sir. We used to go to school together. I see him every now and then. Fred Kennicott is his name. Fred Kennicott. Oh. How is Fred Kennicott these days? Oh, he's fine. That's fine. I wonder if you'd give Fred Kennicott a message for me the next time you see him. Glad to, Gilly. Glad to. What's the message? Tell him his railroad is a public disgrace. <laughs> All very well to complain, Gildy, but let me remind you there's a war on. If anybody else reminds me there's a war on, I'll... Where do you think you're going, Leroy? To get a drink. Ouch! Get off the judge's bunions. I'm sorry, Judge. Now sit down. Gosh, can't I even get a drink of water, even? You've had a drink. You've had 50 drinks. You've done nothing but run from here to the water cooler ever since we get on this train. But, Uncle, I'm dying. You heard your uncle. Sit down. You keep out of this, Judge. I'll handle it. If he were a boy of mine, by golly, I know what I'd do with him. If I need any advice from you on the handling of children, Judge, I'll ask for it. Feel free to do so at any time. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, hum. What a jolly little journey. Oh, Marjorie's right. We shouldn't be allowing ourselves to get on each other's nerves here. After all, this will all be over in an hour or two. Or three. By six o'clock, we'll all be home. Bertie will be there waiting for you with a fine big dinner. Bertie. Yeah, now you're talking, Judge. Good old Bertie. By George, after all the stale chicken I've had to eat in the past week, I could plow into one of Bertie's dinners and really do it justice. Uh, so could I. I tell you, Judge, there's not a finer cook in the, wor- the world than our Bertie. Huh? I won't argue with you there, Throckmorton. I still remember the last dinner I had at your house. Oh, it was some time ago. Yeah. It's truly an experience, truly an experience. Though, as I say, it was some time ago. Uh, Horace, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to be my guest tonight at dinner. 
Well, now, let me see. Have I any other engagements? Sunday night. You haven't any engagements, you old goat, and you know it. <laughs> Doc Martin, after consulting my calendar, I'm delighted to find myself in a position to accept your very welcome invitation. Hey, kidding. Yes. <laughs> well, kids, we're going home. Bye, George. I don't know why we ever left it. Going home, going home. Be ever so humble, there's no place like home. Oh, brother. Be it ever Uncle, so humble, throw it there's no place like home. Well, here we are, kids. Uh, Bertie! Oh, Bertie. Is that you, Mr. Gilfleet? Hello, Bertie. Oh, and Leroy and Margie and Judge Hooker. Well, my goodness, I sure am glad to see you. No gladder than we are to see you, Bertie. That's right, Bertie. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm mighty glad to see you, Mr. Gilfleet. Well, our train was a little late. I hope we haven't spoiled the supper. Spoiled it? Yes. Supper? Yes. Mr. Gilfleet, there ain't no supper to spoil. Oh, Bertie. <laughs> I didn't expect it till tomorrow. But I don't understand, Bertie. You just said you were glad to see us. I am, Mr. Gilfleet. You arrived in just the nick of time. I was just going to the weekly meeting of my victory lodge, and I'm retroactive in my dues. Uh, oh. <laughs> well, here's a little advance on your salary, Bertie. Thank you, sir. I'm sorry about supper, but there ain't a bite of food in this house. Well, now, if y'all would excuse me, well, I... Wait just... a minute, Bertie. Don't I smell chocolate cake? Yes, by golly. So do I. Is there chocolate cake in the house, Bertie? <laughs> well, yes, sir, there is. I baked it for the run-hit-lot-of-town rally tonight at the lodge. The party that buys the war bonds with a certain number on it, he gets the cake as a bonus. Oh, oh, it's a raffle. Oh, no, sir. Buying a raffle ticket is illegal. But nobody's going to throw you in jail for buying a war bond. Yeah, yeah, maybe you're right. How about that, Judge? Well, without passing on the constitutional questions involved, I'd like to buy a chance on the cake. Well, y'all can have the cake for yourself if you want it. No, Bertie, you take the cake and chase Hitler out of town with it. We'll get along some way. Gee, I'm hungry. Isn't there anything in the icebox, Bertie? Not a thing, Leroy. I'm sorry. Well, never mind, Bertie. Good night. Good night, Mr. Gilfleet. Good night, everybody. Good night, night, Have a good time. Well, I guess I'll call up Piggy Banks and get invited to his house. You'll do nothing of the kind, young man. Haven't you any pride? Sure I have. I don't have to beg, Piggy. Well, (laughs) I don't like it. And no hinting now. Are you kidding? He's my pal. Hello, pig face. Oh, pardon me, Mrs. Banks. <laughs> Is Piggy there? That was his mother. Oh, no. Hiya, Pig. Yeah, I just got back. Can I come over for supper? Yeah, Leroy. <laughs> Ask if I can come too, Leroy. Marjorie. I'm bringing Marge so your sister will leave us alone, Pig. Be right over. Goodbye. Well, I'm ashamed of both of you. Oh, you're not really, Uncle Marge. <laughs> Goodbye, Judge. Goodbye, Marjorie. Goodbye, Leroy. So long. Uh, don't you be up late. The very idea. Oh, I don't think it's so bad, Gildy. You don't? Well, then how about inviting me to dinner? All right. May I have the pleasure of your company at dinner, Throckmorton? I shall be delighted, Horace. Of course, there's no food in my house either. Oh. And the grill at the Summerfield Hotel is closed on Sundays. Where are you taking me, Judge? To Peavy's Drugstore for a chicken sandwich. <laughs> uh, come on. <laughs> So 
noted satisfactory, gentlemen? I guess they'll keep the breath of life in us for a while. I'm using a new strawberry flavoring now. Synthetic. What do they make it out of? Plastics? (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Gildersleeve always has to have his little joke. Nice to see you back, Mr. Gildersleeve. How was the vacation? So-so, Peavy, so-so. I suppose it does a man good to get away once in a while. Yes, I've always heard it does. Though I haven't taken a vacation myself in 30 years. Neither has Mrs. Peavy. 30 years with one woman? That's a long time. Well, no, I wouldn't. Yes, I will, too. (laughs) It's a long time. The last time I took a vacation by myself was back in the summer of 1913. Oh, that the summer you got engaged? No, no. We were engaged for five years before that. Of course, five years is a long time, too, but then I, I believe in long engagements, so does Mrs. Beamy. Yeah, long engagements, short engagements. As soon as a man lets a woman get a hold on him, his life is over. Well, no, I wouldn't say that. Speak for yourself, Gildy. That's just who I'm speaking for. Gentlemen, from now on, I'm a free agent. Marriage may be all right for some people, but not for yours truly. Because, frankly, I'm just not interested. Our friend here sounds a little bitter. There wouldn't be a touch of sour grapes in that now, would there, Gildy? None at all. You're referring to Leela Ransom? Forget her, because I have. Uh, speaking of Mrs. Ransom... I haven't I... given her a thought from that day to this. Uh, speaking of Mrs. Ransom... If she were to walk right in here now, it would mean nothing to me. Absolutely nothing. I uh, hear she may be coming back to Summerfield. No, sir. If I... Where'd you hear that? You uh, read the paper, didn't you? I haven't seen a paper in a week. Well, then you didn't hear about her husband. Beauregard? What about it? As if I cared. Sad. Very sad. Well, I suppose we all have to go sooner or later. What do you mean? Here today and gone tomorrow. Peavy, what are you talking about? It's something we all have to face. We can only hope that when the time comes, we'll be ready. Peavy, will you stop mumbling and tell me what happened? Yeah, for the love of Mike, Peavy. It was in the paper yesterday. Beauregard Ransom passed on as the result of an accident one week ago today. Oh, that poor little girl. Now she's going to need an understanding friend. Dear Diary, got back from my vacation today. Total expenses, $110.18. I'll have to watch it a little during September. Was interested to hear from PB today that L.R. may be returning to Summerfield. Well, I should happen to run into her on the street. I know exactly how I'll behave. I'll be polite, naturally, but nothing more. She thinks she can take up with me just where we left off two months ago. She's sadly mistaken. I'll show her that I'm not to be tossed aside lightly like an old glove. Yeah. It'll be, how do you do, Mrs. Ransom, instead of, hello, Leela. Leela. Oh, diary, am I going to make a jackass of myself all over again? (laughs) (laughs) Good night. Music heard on this program was under the direction of Claude Sweeten. This is Ken Carpenter speaking for the Kraft Cheese Company and inviting you to listen in again next Sunday for the further adventures of the Great Gildersleeve. Homemakers, I want to tell you about something that's a point saver, a time saver, and a money saver all in one. It's Kraft Dinner, the product that gives you swell macaroni and cheese in just seven minutes cooking time. A package of Kraft Dinner serves four people at a cost of only a few cents a serving. And you get free packages. 
That's three separate family main dishes for only one single red ration point. Does all this sound too good to be true? Well, try Kraft Dinner. See how the special Kraft Dinner macaroni cooks fluffy tender just in boiling water. See how the Kraft grated lets you whisk cheese flavor through and through the macaroni in a jiffy. Then, listen to the folks compliment you on that speedy, delicious macaroni and cheese. If you like, you can mold your hot Kraft Dinner into a ring or timbo and serve with cream vegetables, fish, chicken, or what have you. Try it soon. Spend one single red ration point for three packages of Kraft Dinner. The program has reached you from Hollywood. This is the National Broadcasting Company. And that's The Great Gildersleeve, starring Hal Perry, from August 29, 1943. Stick around. I'll give you our lineup for episode 20 of the Classic Radio Theater after this short break. Next time on episode 20 of the Classic Radio Theater, brought to you by the Bradford Exchange, we'll hear two spooky episodes of Murder at Midnight, so don't miss it. To reach me and to learn more about the Classic Radio Club, visit ClassicRadioClub.com. Be sure to tune in to our next show. Thanks for listening. <laughs> ¶¶ 